This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. <laughs> all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast. We've got... Uh... Well, let's let's say this. We've got an episode in mind. So we're going to start off with actually some coverage from weekends or this weekend coverage yep. from events this weekend. Yep. So we have the Star City Richmond. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually did coverage at an MCQ this weekend, and after that, we're going to be getting into the insane debacle that was Mythic Edition because it was. But the, pardon my language, a fucking shit show. Oh, absolutely. Anyways, let's hundred percent get started with with the coverage. So yeah. let's let's take a look at these top eights while we've got them here. Take us away. All right. Uh, so the Star City one is uh, easy because it just started. I've got the screenshot up now. Uh, it's pretty basic for uh, week one. You have three mono red aggro decks that were two of them were a lock at round fourteen. Uh, the tweet I sent out said three of them were, and they were kind of what they didn't know was that I believe uh, Ethan got a pair down. So they only knew that after round 15 was paired. He wasn't officially a lock, right? Yeah. Then we have two Esper control lists, which is perfectly fine. Uh, it seems kind of standard. Uh, old Esper list with uh, new Dovin, or no, sorry, with new Teferi and Narset. And yeah. then the Bant mid range list is just kind of uh, a good stuff list. I don't believe Rudy has uh, Carnage Tyrant in his sideboard. I think that was the other band player. Yeah. Uh, Harlan might have it. And then we have uh, Zach on Selesnya tokens, and I don't believe that's a real result. He's been playing this uh, for about three or four months now, and he seems to be the only person on Earth that can put up results with this. And yep. I didn't see anything terribly new out of his deck when I watched yesterday's replay, but I only watched one match. I, I don't think there was anything in particular uh, that came out of war. Maybe. Maybe. I don't think he was playing as um, Arboreal Grazer in his list. I don't think he was using that. He like he was able to function off of three and four land and just go as wide as he did before. And so... Like I said, nothing new. I'd, I'd have to see a deck list, and there's no deck tech with him, I believe, and there's no uh, official list from the top eights yet. Yeah. Uh, we were just taking a look. The one thing we did see out of the red decks is that uh, they are playing Chandra, and some are playing Tybalt. And the Tybalt looked pretty good against the Esper control lists. It, it houses yeah. a lot of what they're trying to do. Um, I can't remember. It's the kill spell that makes it a mass creature. Uh, and yeah. also gains life. What that is, but yeah, that that was a good one that they were running as well. Yeah, it, it hoses the life gain on that, and it kind of, it allows the red deck to kind of shore up that matchup. Chandra yeah. looked insane in, in those matchups as well. Uh, there comes a point, and we were talking about it in uh, Discord, where and because they mentioned it on stream, after about six loyalty, attacking that card, that planeswalker, is extremely difficult for the Esper player because they're going to start chunking their own life total, and they're probably low enough anyway that the moment they do that, they just get burnt out from hand. Yep. So it is kind of a toss-up in whether you bring in Chandra or Frenzies. 
in in the matchup as uh, Asper can deal with both of them. But they are great cards side by side. And I think Chandra is going to stick around either in the uh, in the frenzy slot, or we'll see sideboard slot freed up by something kind of uh, boring, uh, rekindling Phoenix, Phoenix or lava coils if they're no longer needed in the format to make room for her. Because I think she's just a straight yeah. upgrade to some of these pseudo dead cards. Yeah, um, she's insane. And I, I uh, touching base on that, there was actually a match I saw yesterday at the MCQ where the Esper player was able to resolve Enter the God Eternals. Yep. And still lost because of a Chandra, yeah, which is it's, insane. It's, it's the card I'm thinking of, right? Enter the God Eternals. Four damage. Yeah, the life gain on that is... It's all. It's like four, 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 four. All's down yeah. low. Yeah. I, it's, it's like your best card. Right, yeah. in order for you to win that game and just get there and resolved one of those and Chandra still killed him. Yep. It was insane. Yep. And uh so uh Moonbase ran the second ever MCQ yesterday. Yeah. Uh start to finish. How many rounds did you guys have? Uh we had seven rounds with cut to top eight. No yep. one in the eight wanted to split since I first place was twelve hundred bucks and the invite. Yeah, no uh, uh I was up playing EDH to the cast, so yeah, we we bore with you through through that slog of a uh, a Vanapod game one. Yeah, that was brutal. But uh, the the top eight uh, you guys have kind of mirrors the Star City, where there are three aggro decks in the in the top yeah. eight, but instead of being mono red, this is actually the Gruel deck. Yeah, and uh, it was interesting because one of the players was on the Warriors variant. Okay where it was, like, really heavy on two and three drops, and there weren't any one drops in the list. Mm -hmm. uh, and he ran Dire Fleet Daredevils and yes. stuff like that. And and the others were the more traditional Gruel Smash. Uh, and one of them was actually primarily mono-red. He just splashed green for Spellbreaker. Okay, did uh, anybody... I... Fine. Did anybody play the, uh, the new Elemental? The colorless red-red-green uh, Walking Hurricane? No. Nobody had Living Twister in their list, which okay. I felt like was a pretty good answer for when games go late. Yep. Uh, it seems like... I, I think the biggest problem, though, is that you deal with it the same way you deal with all the other threats. Um, I actually asked one of the players, uh, you know, did you think about this? And he said, well, I'd rather have Chandra. Well, well yeah, that makes sense. Yep. And he actually ran Sarkin in his list, which Sarkin did a lot of work. The, the one from War, correct? Not the Dominaria? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sark, Sark in the Masterless. So just being able to make the 4-4 four, four, and then swing for 8 the next turn was able to close out games pretty well. Okay. Um, so uh, we also saw uh, Esper Control in your top 8 to some degree. Uh, there's the uh, Esper Heroic-ish deck uh, that yeah. I believe came straight from, if not this past week's Star City versus Series with Ross Merriam and Todd Anderson and the week before. Uh, deck's yeah. just kind of uh, par for the course. Orzhov Knights, which was a deck right after the first draft set released. Yep. I, my standard player at the Team Worcester played against that uh, like literally a year ago. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I and that that deck was in the finals. Yeah, I, I, it beats okay. man. Like yeah. it, it the Kaz and the removal you have now it just makes those three threes pretty good. And yeah, you have an endless stream of creatures with a mass, so, I mean... Yeah, and D-Spark is just... I, oh, that spell's nasty, I, yeah. I, 
Yeah, I, I think D-Spark may be one of the best pieces of removal that they've printed in years. And the fact that it's, you know, a $5 foil right now, and I mean, looking at Chandra, she's even 2 bucks. Yeah. That seems insane. But no, I... Whatever. I, I agree. Uh, Civic Rec, uh, which is kind of, um, you know, standard. We saw that at the Star City event. It just didn't make the top eight. It was fighting the entire way to try and get there. Uh, I, I think, you know, yeah. somebody f flamed out around 13, around 14. And yeah. the, the newest part of that deck was the Arboreal, the 0-3 that drops land from uh, your hand into play. They made mention of that on uh, day one as yeah. being a, a new addition to the deck. It kind of holds the ground fairly early on. It, it does exactly what you want, and it kind of takes the place of some of the more spin-your-wheel kind of cards because it has a very yeah. dedicated effect. So... And Nothing. then Tamiya was in there as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. And some of the list, yeah. Being able to buy back your Wilderness Rex, your Root Snares, or whatever, if you're on the Fog plan. Yep. Uh, and then the most interesting deck from your top eight was the Vanapod list. Yes. So, uh, fun fact for those of you, if you watched or anything, so that game one in the quarterfinals, I spoke, so Will Urker was the player. He's This is now his sixth Pro Tour. He's top 16 one prior, but he forgot in that game one that Shalai was in the list. Literally just forgot he could pod for it and win. Uh, he said that in that deck, the card that made the biggest difference for him was Oketra, which I oh, still yeah. think is probably the most insane God Eternal. I mean, the amount of advantage you're able to get from that thing is just bonkers. Oh yeah, she's she's great. Um, I, it, it's like, insane. One of the Bant decks, I believe, that's uh, in the top eight for Star City is running a copy of God Eternal Oketra. Yeah. That's basically what made the difference between the lists and allowed the one player to just succeed compared to a lot of other Bant players on the day or on, yeah. on the weekend. And it showed up more on coverage than Kefnet, more than Bantu, more than Ilkar, whatever the Peggy is. The Boar God, yeah. Yeah. And Ronis has just been... Mia all weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the amount of advantage you're able to get, in, especially in this format, just makes it very hard to deal with. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's the only way to really permanently deal with it is to uh, the return to nature or whatever in response to the trigger in the graveyard. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, D Spark doesn't do anything against this. I just get it. Yeah, it, it just tucks later. itself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, coming out of the, the, this. These double top eights, you know, what we're looking at is basically uh, cards like D-Spark and uh, Enter the God Eternals as some of the format-defining cards for controlling lists. And then for the aggressive decks, we're looking at uh, Chandra, Sarkon, and uh, Dire Fleet Daredevil, actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, all the red lists are running Daredevil X, either two or four between the main and the side, and it, it's ma made the difference every time, having access to that versus some uh, of the other more clunky spells prior. Yeah, I mean, just being able to use your own opponents, especially in the control matchup, like a Thought Erasure or something like that yep. against them is huge. So. Yeah, uh, access to Mortify and the Brass's Contempt against the Planeswalker control variants of Esper is is huge for the red deck because now you no longer have to worry about value spewing damage over to a Planeswalker compared to the player. Yeah. But uh, we'll definitely see a little bit of a shakeup moving forward. I believe the next Star City is also going to be standard, and I'll double-check that because I don't want to... You're talking out the side of my mouth right now. Uh, yeah, I I believe it is. I also it's 
interesting. Yeah, that standard. We still haven't had an announcement on the London Mulligan in regards to standard. Yeah. As far as I know, is it it's still going on Arena? I think I don't know if that's changed or not. I don't. Uh, I, I think I think it's still on Moto, but I'm not 100. Okay. percent And the next Star City event isn't actually next week. It's the week after. So that's May right. 18th is Star City Syracuse. The Open is standard, and with uh, there's also a standard classic and a modern yeah. classic, which is a interesting thing to see coming out of uh, this past week on Moto. That's been also a shit show. Yes, but nothing like it has. Our next topic. So Mythic Edition goes live Wednesday at 3 p.m. Uh, they didn't set it live an hour early like they have before on their website. Somebody actually knew what they were doing in regards to setting up uh, that part of the auction. And then a minute later, almost 20,000 copies are sold of a 12,000 copy product. That auction ends half an hour, 45 minutes later, selling, what is it, over 30,000, almost 40,000 copies. Yeah. In that time, two subsequent auctions go up uh, by Hasbro Toy Shop. This wasn't somebody else who just, like, stole the images, the text, everything else to rerun the auction to just try and, you know, defraud people. Uh, this was Hasbro putting them back up for a reason still unknown. And... Uh, Twitter melted down about this. Not just not the Magic Finance Twitter, just Twitter in general. Uh, it this news of what happened made it to Forbes two days later, I believe, uh, if not the, uh, the next yeah. day. It was uh, Thursday. They had a blog up about yep. it. Thursday, Forbes had an article about this botched attempt to sell a limited product, and as of uh, this point in time, there are still people who do not know whether they are getting a product or not. There are people that have received. Uh, within the U.S., a partial refund, but not a full refund. And then people outside of the U.S. who have been refunded the amount they paid, but not... It's, the brokerage fee. Not, yeah, the brokerage. transaction. That's what I was, I was trying to yeah. think of it. Because when you're international ordering off U.S. eBay, uh, PayPal basically is set up to use a brokerage firm that pulls uh, fees off, of, off the top, and you're not getting that back. That's like a $40 fee or something for two copies. I, I can't remember the numbers on that, but it's ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, it, it's convenient that we have two sides of the coin on this one. Uh, I was at work scrambling for internet because they pulled my hard line for whatever reason and was able to put my order in for two copies, Re have received a singular confirmation at 9 p.m. the next day with no other confirmation and no shipping information. You, on the other hand, were at the zoo with your daughter, yeah. putting in God knows how many orders, and received uh, what? I got, on Wednesday, May 1st, at 2.56 p.m. Thanks for your purchase, Jason. Your order is confirmed. And then I got, on May 2nd, at 7.30 p.m. Hello. Yesterday, Wizards of the Coast launched the exclusive Magic the Gathering War of the Spark edition. Blah, 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 blah. It's safe to say that Jace and his War of the Spark Mythic Edition pals broke the internet yesterday. The fact that you are comparing Jace to Kim Kardashian's ass is a fucking travesty. Yeah, right. This whole thing is absolute garbage. Some idiot. And I don't know if it's eBay, if it was Wizards, whatever. 
decided, all right, we're going to put this auction up and we're not going to charge sales tax. You are a multi-million dollar company, both of them. How do you not realize you post a listing with sales tax? So, oh, you got to take it down. We're going to put up a second listing. Yep. We still don't know what we're doing. Our head is still so far up our ass. We are eating our colon. And that auction gets taken down and we get a third one up. I don't understand what's going on. Nope. Like, I put eight orders in on three different auctions. And all of them, you know, the first two sets were canceled without an email. The third set canceled without an email except for this one that I got a confirmation for. The best part, I still have in my PayPal history a posted payment. I still have in my purchase history a completed sold order that still says my estimated delivery date is May 6th through May 8th. Mm -hmm. It's still not canceled in eBay. But I got the email that said, oh, sorry, we're canceling it. Like, what? Nope. And, and the worst part is, like, everyone's like, oh, this is so terrible. They better learn their lesson. They're not going to fucking learn their lesson, guys. They're drug dealers. So drug dealers don't. We're still going to come back and buy the product. Uh, it was Hascon promos broke the Hasbro site. Yep. But they have still infinite stock of those because they were supposed to be released at conventions. They said that. Yeah. That, that is confirmed for a Watsy. Uh, and? Mythic Edition 1 didn't go nearly as bad as the Hasbro release. Yeah. Mythic Edition 2 came and went and sold like 5,000 out of out of 12 in the first couple of minutes, so that was just kind of was smooth sailing. Yeah. Then they decided to put Jace the Mind Sculptor in this shit and release it via the internet. Apparently, not understanding how auctions for pre-release items work either that was the that was the kick in the pants for me so there there's a, a bit of uh cruft going around about how things happened and the uh the experience that was explained to me was the first auction that completed successfully or the first set of auctions that completed successfully were to one individual for over 11,000 copies that leaves 1,000 more to just kind of float there Somebody else came in and figure and not figured out, but knew how this e this part of the eBay system worked. Submitted an auction to buy there too, and then on the checkout screen, you're able to futz around with it and up their quantity from two to nine thousand. Yep. That now balloons the amount they have to twenty thousand, and they can't cancel this auction because it's in progress now. Items have sold. The only thing they can do is up quantity behind the scenes so that more people can keep buying. And that auction spins and spins and spins and spins until Wasi just decides to end it by either not upping quantity or the, or it hit some timeout. Meanwhile, those other two auctions go up and nobody knows what the hell goes on with this. And it was that. Sorry, go ahead. You know uh, what? I'm I'm, I'm going to be quiet now. I, I need to not get too impassioned here. No, no, it's fine. And it, it hit all facets, all facets of, of Magic Twitter as this was going on. And people were trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Uh, in the middle of a series of tweets about uh, gameplay and upcoming schedules, Saffron Olive put something out there. Uh, we had uh, James Chilcott put something out there. Ch uh, Evan Irwin, uh, also Mr. at Mr. Orange, if you don't follow him, is, is a great follow. He's so good. Oh, he is. Uh, 
put something out there just interrupting his daily flow and his daily schedule asking uh, if anybody was successful just kind of a dry thing and then he and Chaz Andrus went off about it and Patrick Sullivan got in on this and asked a very dry question if you could buy uh, if you could buy these uh, at any cost you know would you still buy them to flip and if you're not buying them to flip then why aren't you essentially it's 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 different, and then he put up another tweet about it, asking like, if you knew that there was going to be no limit on this over time, they were just going to make more. Would you still have wanted to buy in? Basically, kind of asking a very pointed question of, are you actually buying this to own this product, or are you buying to flip it? And the majority yeah. of the people that responded back just said they were buying to flip. Yeah. Like, at, at at no point in time, I would assume, does anybody at Wasi have the illusion this product is going to be bought and opened by people to use those cards? Like, I want my two copies, one to hold, and I want another one to, to open because I don't want to pay for a Jason and Ugin. But that other one's going to basically offset the price of the second. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know who Watsy thinks these fucking products are for. It's not the From the Vault series. Like, those those products aren't for people who love shitty foils. That's what that is. Yeah, or cheap, or, or, <laughs> or, or, uh, reprints of expensive cards in a shitty foil that nobody else wants like that's how you get $30 dark depths and like $70 Jace the Mind Sculptors or 50 whenever it hit because that foiling is atrocious yeah. like yeah. the Mythic Edition is something completely different and it's obviously a collector's item because it's fucking full art end of story that that is not a a player item and if you you can parallel it to sports cards you know what a collector's item is in, sport, in current sports cards it's something that has either uh a signature, or it has a, a uniform, a bat piece, a, yep. a, a piece of history attached to that makes it different from the regular card in the set. That's what these are. If you want a Jace the Mind Sculptor that isn't for collectors, just buy the World Wake non-foil, or the A25, or whatever it is. Just go out and get that. No, you make a full yep. art piece, just like a UMA box topper. Like, what do you think those are for? You know? You're not obviously... You're, you're not making full art dark depths for EDH players and legacy players. Like, no. No. Full Art Lily. Eh. But for the most part, this is for people to just sit on and move. And that's the end of it. Yeah. And they they sh- remove head from anus. In if, all honesty. If only they had some platform that they used to sell products directly that wasn't Hasbro Toy Shop. Like, I don't know, their Amazon store. You know who this never happens with on pre-release products, on pre-orders? Amazon. Nope. I've never heard of a problem like this in the history of Amazon's existence where some product just, like, crashed their website. Even when they put up consoles, they do their Cyber Monday and Black Friday sales. doesn't matter. No. Still, always up. How? How? So, all right. So the reason we wanted to talk about this was what does something like this do to the consumer faith in the product? And not just Nothing. the Mythic Edition product, the overall yeah, and product. Not just the Mythic, but an overall product. I, I'm i going to say nothing. Oh, mm. We're all idiots. All of us. They're, they are selling really good drugs to us, and we're going to come back, and we're going to try to get a second fix. Oh, yeah. They're, they're going to try to release another Mythic Edition, and granted, it's going to be trash compared to this one, because like we said on last week's episode, you've got saturation you've got your money walkers there's not much else you can do unless they decide to shift it into like lands or something else but we're gonna come back 
we're going to do it again. So everyone, including myself, that has this insane outrage and anger over this, the beauty of it is it doesn't matter. It Correct. doesn't matter. They don't care. I, look, look at Hasbro's stock price over the last 24 hours after, after that event. Okay, so on... Let's take a look here. Hasbro Inc. on MarketWatch. Let's take a look at, at their stock over the last last week. Let's see if I can pull oh, look at that! It, it was it was down. It was down Thursday. Uh, it guess 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 what though? Uh, it's it's up again. Yeah. It, it's higher than it was on on Thursday. So they don't care. They made their money. Yep. And they they also released their uh, market earnings. Uh, sorry, they're just their earnings report. And Arena was uh, yeah. the largest item on that. Like cool microtransactions. What the shit? Yeah. The, uh, so what if they care? No, the the saving grace of this is that it's a supplemental product. Obviously, it's a collector's product. It doesn't affect the player base as a whole. If this was a standard product that just oh, yeah. ran off the fucking rails like this, they'd be in the shitter so hard. Yeah. They There's and no they internal testing of this stuff. It's just do it live. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, it, you talk about these standard products just not being... You know, it, it would be a different issue. They're almost out of War of the Spark. Distros won't have any more for like two weeks from now. And in two weeks, we start getting Modern Horizon spoilers. Yeah. So, you know, I, and I, I will say this. I'm very glad that this set was so successful. Yeah. I am happy that it sold more than Dominaria and that we're getting like back to, you know, when Magic was great. The one thing that didn't happen when Magic was great, the biggest scandal, the biggest scandal was God books. You know what I don't care about? God books. Don't oh, care about no. them. They, they were great. Who cares? Doesn't matter. This, though, this, this is awful. This is the type of thing that if this, like you said, were to happen for a standard release product, you know, I've, I've said it before on this podcast, I think five years tops through mismanagement or design for paper magic. It would shorten that timeline a lot. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we were talking about how does, with War of the Spark reintroducing uh, interest to Standard, just reinvigorating Standard with, you know, a banger set, what do they have to do to actually get people to play the game? Well, they have to make things cheaper just through continuous distribution. The game has to be more accessible at the paper level if they want people to play in both uh, the digital and the paper yeah. formats. And they can do that all they want because it's easy as hell. But if they needed to actually do something with these supplementals, like Modern Horizons, if this was meant to bring peop more people back into that format and make it rival standard at like a less than 6% delta in comparison to uh, FNM formats run, because yeah. Modern finally overtook standard not too long ago in the last six to nine months. Sorry, standard overtook yeah. Modern in the last six to yeah. nine months. Yeah. And not by a wide margin either, like five or 10%. But it was a very long time coming. That standard was below modern and finally overtook, right? Yeah. But if the same kind of shit happens there, and that's a supplemental product, I mean, it's not going to because it's going through distro and, and going out properly through routes they've navigated for over 25 years, you'd probably lose that format and just push it to digital. Yeah. Like, this is meant to be a paper, uh, not paper only, it'll be on Moto eventually. Well, yeah. But if they just bungled this entirely and the modern player base couldn't get their cards, you can't expect them to stick with that format. And you'd, you'd see a dip in, in 
and player attribution to that format and probably the format as a whole. Like people would just be spurned because this affected yeah. a large player base and it affected their ability to play the format they like. You know, these cards are basically just cube, uh, legacy, and EDH cruft. You know? Yeah. That you know I, the amount of people I know that were like, oh, you know, I'm getting one for my cube and a second to flip to cover the cost of both, so I upgrade my cube for free was like everyone I know that was yeah. getting them. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, who is it? Who sits in the quiet spec Discord? Is it uh, Chilcott? Yeah, yeah. You know, he was talking about how people in the in the QS Discord, just like in our Discords, were buying product for people within those Discords. This way, you just have the most amount of people reaching out for that product. Not everybody wanted everything. You know, we had one yeah. guy whose roommate just wanted Jason Ugin, and fuck all for the rest of it. So they both went at yeah. it. You know, one copy supposedly is going to come in, so one guy will keep mm, six walkers and give away the other two. Like, yeah, sure, well, that's fine. But I don't know. I like. I didn't care about the other mythic editions, and this makes me a little leery going forward of buying anything off eBay from them. I wish this would have been handled a little better. I might have actually gone to the first Grand Prix that had. The mythic edition at it much like uh they did with the first one where they put uh, where they gave it to two or three grand prix prize walls in a row it's like you yeah. could pre-order it and pick it up at grand prix montreal which i was at and then i think the next one or two you could do the same thing and it was at the prize wall as yeah. opposed to ebay or amazon in the future or back to the hasbro store you know or or they could give it they could put it back at the lgs level yeah, I mean, if, if they have something for, like, maximum advertised pricing, because, of course, you're not going to get it at an LGS for $250. you are just not. No. I if, if they have it at, you know, a maximum advertised pricing, that like, all right, we're going to sell it for at least this much. Sure, you're going to get some stores that are probably going to crack it and sell the singles. But yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of stores. I know a few in St. Louis that would legitimately, because they care about their player base, have it in the store for whatever the manufacturer's heard pricing was. And you come in, you do it like a shoe lottery. You buy your raffle ticket. Mm -hmm. Great. If your name gets called, congratulations. You won a Mythic Edition. Yeah. That's great. I just leave it up to the store to handle. Yeah. Yeah, that seems much easier. Yeah. I'd rather do that. I'm, for me, the Hascon stuff was easy. I knew people who were going to be there. And there were infinite yeah. Hascon uh, promos on site. You didn't have to deal with the yeah. Hascon store. Like, that was wicked easy. Why can't they do that with Mythic Editions? Why can't they do something at uh, Wizards World? Where I'm sure they have a yeah. booth. They could have done something oh, at Gamma. They'll yeah. be at Gen Con. They have all the, all this opportunity to put out these these items. And instead they just rely on a distro source that they've never used before, that they have not pro they've never proved success with in the model they decided to use it for because Hasbro does not do releases like that for whatever that blue and purple bug thing is. I was yeah. sitting there for hours on end. Yeah, they they yeah. just this is this is a completely separate release schedule than anything else they do, like action figures and stuff. I mean, I remember, you know, you used to go to midnight releases for the new Star Wars action figures yep. when they came out, and like, sure, that's that's fine. This isn't that. This isn't released the same way that your other products are. This doesn't have like the level of publicity and viewability that Magic the Gathering has, mm -hmm. the demand that's there, 
because there's so much more of a secondary market here. It's not like My Little Pony where you have a couple bronies out there collecting them and that's basically it. Yeah. Other than that, you know, 90% of your clientele is children. That's not the case here and you shouldn't treat it like those products and it was just so immensely infuriating. Yeah, oh, it's terrible. To go through this and watch this just get dumpstered. Oh, I mean, yeah. This this release was so bad. And I, I don't think I've seen anything this bad. I mean, I know people that were writing, you know, bots and, like, selenium and stuff for this, and it still didn't work. No. Because they just arbitrarily canceled them. The other thing is, you know, talking to people that have got cancellations, people that got confirmation, I know people that bought it at 3.05 p.m. that have had their orders confirmed. Mm-hmm. I know people that bought it 35 minutes later that had their orders confirmed. And I know people in between that had their orders canceled and confirmed all over the place. I can't seem to understand what the rhyme or reason is for the snap. Yeah, and but, uh, and Hasbro uh, customer service has not really given us any more information aside from the fact that that first confirmation or first uh, cancellation email or message through eBay might not be the correct one. You could still be waiting. Yeah. Uh, you won't know yeah. until it, for sure until you have a shipping number. And there are a handful of people claiming that they have shipping and are trying to sell a product that might not exist. Yeah. Like, and I I mean, I the, the really funny thing to me was the number of people that as soon as like they were confirmed, there were listings up for like a thousand dollars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Literally sold. If those people got cancellations after that, it's going to be amazing. Oh, 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 yeah. Duh, if you checked eBay earlier that day, there were probably more listings than there were actual people that got confirmation emails that day for oh, yeah. for, res- for resellers. And what do you do? I think you can cancel an auction as long as you ha- don't have a buy it now. If there are bids but no buy it now, I think you can cancel the auction not 100%. But that auction, if you can't, that auction ha- now has to time out. You have to refund your better, and now you've just been nagged and ebay takes shit like that seriously pre pre-sell yeah. a product that you don't have that is not cool with ebay yeah not at all uh i actually just i was able to pull up my my sale on ebay and this auction listing says there were four thousand sold there you go it's supposedly canceled and you know i got like you said that first email went out that said that cancellation may not have been right well i still don't have a pending refund I don't have an email from PayPal saying there's a refund, but I don't have a tracking number. No. I haven't received an update for one, so I have no idea if I'm getting this or not. Neither, neither do I. That's why I tweeted out the other day uh, on our account the the uh, key sweating gif. Yeah. I have, a confirm- I have confirmation that the auction was successful on my end, but I don't have a shipping confirmation number. I could just be canceled, and I won't know. Uh, yeah. Supposedly, it should be arriving between Thursday and Friday. Maybe I'll find out then. Yeah, that's that's what I was told was between know. Thursday and Friday. But, well, oh no, mine is uh, Monday and Wednesday, is when mine will get here. There you go. So, so we'll see. Yeah, I, and you know to just kind of bring this full circle, it, it's as far as secondary market is concerned, like people who are looking to buy singles doesn't matter. The general population doesn't matter who this affects or people who are going to buy into this. It's sorry, this as a uh, another financial vehicle or people who thought that they could kind of scheme their way into the market by saying that there there were more printed than there were blatantly lying and forcefully reduced 
and attempt to forcefully reduce the resale value in hopes of being flooded themselves entering the market, saying that they want to own no less than a thousand of these. Then be threatened, quote unquote, and have to put up a an I'm sorry video. Oh, really? Mea culpa, mea culpa. Hey, you weren't just entirely full of shit about with information you don't have? Nah, that's cool. Uh, All right, cool. Yeah, you got a guy. Sure thing. Yeah. The, the only question I have at the end, and this is something I posed the other day, is so this whole debacle goes down, right? And obviously we know there's going to be a decent retail price on this because you have Ugin, you have Jason. But the singles are going to be worth one amount. The seal, is, the seal is going to be worth another. But because of the mystique of all the bullshit that happened surrounding this, does the sealed box, still a shrink wrap, hold more value than it otherwise would because of this? I think so. I, it's it's like it's like the rim lotus oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's a piece of internet history yeah like, like you survived it you survived the snap yeah this 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 is the thanos snap for magic and you survived you got it you have proof that you were one of the chosen few yeah one of yeah. I, I think you know that's like anytime you see you know, some piece of memory or internet history come up, of course. Yeah, I, I think it holds more value. I, 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 I think so, does. too. Uh, by what percentage, I can't say. You know, I, this is this one is so much different from one and two because of what's inside that it, it it's difficult yeah. to figure out, but it, I, I, I think it holds true. It's like the original Cabbage Patch Kids and Tickle Me Emma. It's like, cool, you had to oh. literally trample people to death to get this stuff. It yeah. can be worth a little more. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for this week, I think we've got Jason's uh, Jason riled up enough, so we'll just head on out with some picks for the week. Uh, my pick, as announced uh, in our Discord, was uh, Ralph Storm, Con Storm Conduit, and that was just based on uh, playability going into this weekend. I thought he mm -hmm. was well underpriced for... Uh, what he does and you can see market is a little under four dollars and i expected a card that showed so much promise in teamer reclamation to show up in greater numbers this weekend and while i still do have confidence that he will i think sub four dollars is a good price to move in on this not just because he does have a home in standard immediately in one of several decks but because he is also a combo card in EDH in the exact same way, so he will have a long-term hold there. If he had popped this week, or he pops in Syracuse, he could immediately shoot up to 10 to 15, depending on uh, what we're seeing. Week 1 is always notably bad for uh, control lists and combo lists in standard, yeah. so this is no surprise, no different, that he didn't really show up at all, and we saw some other walkers. Uh, I just... I believe he's going to be the the first of a handful of plaintiffs walkers in this set to start showing up in the next couple of weeks and rightfully rightfully price correct. Had I known how good Chandra was yeah. in the mono red deck, I would have picked her, obviously, because she is uh, two-ish dollars, and I think she has a better shorter-term game gain window than Ral does, but I think Ral's going to be better yeah. in the long term. So I'm staying long on my pick from agree. Friday, yeah. Uh, mine is based on the the good the good magical Christmas landlord Conley Woods. Yep. Who five owed, and I'm sure some of you have seen Commandeer, Days Undoing, all that stuff spiking. 
uh, as I picked in the cast, I mine was disrupting Shoal. Mm-hmm. So non-foils from Uma you can get for eighty cents to a dollar. Foils low is two dollars. So the spread there is fine. Uh, I like the Ultimate Masters over the Kamigawa. Yep. Specifically because of the buy-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kamigawa ones non-foil are like. LP, you're looking at about a dollar twenty, dollar fifty, somewhere in there, which isn't a huge difference. No, like not numerically, at all. but you're a lot more likely to get a return. We've got two hundred and thirty-three results for the Kamigawa, and about the same for Ultimate Masters. Yeah, uh, sorry, one hundred and eighty, so fewer on Ultimate Masters. But this deck, Conley five-owed with it. I fully expect Saffron to try to pick it up at some point. Granted, it's not going to be a budget deck anymore. No, no. A thread went out on MTG Finance, and it was immediately railed up. This this kind of flew under the radar this weekend because of all the Neoform memery going on with Allosaurus Rider and all that. Oh, yeah. I think that this deck, and this card especially, has financial potential... Not gameplay potential. Disrupting Shoal is one of those cards that even in EDH, not just modern, people kind of forget it exists. But it's a free counterspell. If the games go late, it's just a counterspell for whatever. And at less than a dollar, I mean, there was a time in Standard where this card was five, six bucks because you could counter um, JIT with it by pitching a two drop. And I think this card has every potential over the next year if not in the next two to three weeks to get to the five to ten dollar rent absolutely margin i think especially you know this may be a case of pumping up for me it's going to be a case of pumping up okay i'm going to buy a bunch of them dump them to card kingdom's buy list when their buy price corrects just like i did with allosaurus riders because i'm not necessarily sure this deck has gameplay legs in the format mm-hmm I may hold some of them, though, like recoup my initial investment off buy lists and hold the rest just to see what it does in EDH. Because I think you're looking at maybe a year or so, and if you look at MTG stocks over the lifetime of the card for Kamigawa, it's had a lot of peaks and valleys. I think its all-time high was something like $10. Uh, There was a flashpoint around Rivals of Ixalan where, for whatever reason, it went up to 20 and then immediately stepped back down. Uh, Yeah. Uh, and that's, just... you know, now we've got it gradually ticking down to where it's at now because of the UMA release. Yeah. So it's obviously a card that people knew existed. It was a card that was used in EDH, which, as we've said before, is one of the biggest financial drivers you can find mm-hmm. anywhere. Uh, it also looks like it's been in some dredge lists recently. Yeah. I It's it's the type of thing that I definitely think has legs. And for me, getting in at sub a dollar seems pretty good. Yep. Because it's not a lot to put down, and your risk of just being out, pretty low. I mean, I don't think it's going to get any lower than it is now. Yeah, the the nice thing about the price graph, uh, and I brought it up, was that every time the price went up, whenever the, the ceiling was raised, the floor came with it. Yeah. The only time the floor did not come with it was after the UMA release, which is to be expected because the market was, it was flooded, right? So naturally, yeah. this card should see a bump over time in regards to the floor. It should self-correct once you know demand is sated. Um, and, we, yeah. and we touched on the Allosaurus Rider deck in regards to disrupting Shoal and it, the Shoal being a good response to that. It's one of the only ways you can deal with that deck on your turn zero. 
that yeah. deck is actually performing well under the Vancouver Mulligan, not just the London Mulligan. So yeah. there, are, there are people testing it that are looking at... I forgot the math. Uh, about 12% of the time, you can turn one yeah. under Vancouver. Not London, Vancouver. Still pretty good. Primo. Under yeah. London, I thought the number was 15. So it might be a little higher yeah. uh, than that. But it, so Allosaurus Rider has been... Er, Neoform has been out on Moto for a little over a week. We got our first deck list on it in the Discord. Uh, maybe the day after War went live on yeah. Moto. And then it was silent, and then uh, five Oda leak, and a bunch of people have been tossing out lists on uh, Goldfish under the Super Brew section. So yeah. there's no uh, solidified list yet. There's maybe of a full 75, uh, 62 that people like. But the the core concept of the deck is there, and and as always the same, and the numbers are the same on a lot of the cards. Uh, Auto. Shorthon Worm or whatever that fifteen drop is, yeah. you know, two of those, two gristle yeah, brands, that thing, yeah. And so for about three days, the deck runs rampant on Moto, and then on Friday, I actually was the first time I saw the Conley list that I put up. That was uh, direct from his yeah. tweet. The moment it went out, basically, I was sent that that tweet by a friend, and Conley played it in a friendly league, which I don't think a lot of people uh, recognized. And just from that friendly league, which was how Saffron Olive used to do things, used to, to play there to test this stuff, we saw Days Undoing move up to an over $10 card and Commandeer, people are trying to sell for like $25 plus. Yeah. So if Allosaurus Rider sticks, regardless of whether or not this deck is good, we will see Disrupting Shell come up to me. Yeah. yeah. It's not hard for Blue-White Control to find a two-drop they mind pitching. To, uh, to Disrupting Shoal against Neoform. Uh, Spell Snare sure. is also live. It's just yeah. outside of turn zero. And then you also have eventual answers later on. And we're going to see some weird things pop up in the next couple of days. So Disrupting Shoal is just the, the tip of the undiscovered iceberg. Yeah. I think is the way to look at it. Saffron will get us there. Oh, absolutely. He'll find it. And Saffron Olive we trust, I guess, is... Yet another yeah. slogan we can use. Yeah. I, I, I approve of this one. Oh, yeah. I, I may not approve of Wizards of the Coast literally ever, <laughs> but I approve of this motto. But now that, that's it. That's all we have for this week, guys. Uh, so I am uh, at Halt. I am Reptar on Twitter. You are? At Thirsty Sizzler. We are, are at MTG cabalcast on twitter uh, patreon and we are still doing the uma giveaway there are a handful of spots left so you know please stop on by and we'll see you next week yep thanks guys